Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Glad you guys are here. As Tammy said, uh, we're going to be in week two of our series called Crucial Conversations. And what we're doing is we're looking at the conversations that Jesus had with a diverse group of people. Jesus ministered in a diverse world, diverse community, diverse people that he encountered because Jesus was the master engager of people. And we're going to learn from Jesus. uh, We're going to get to see his heart for people because we said last week in the first uh, session that we had that Jesus, everything that he was doing was representing the Father. He said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. So Jesus is the exact representation of who God is. So when we watch how he engaged with diverse people, we'll get a chance to see God's heart for people. At the same time, we're going to see how he engaged them. And many times it's, it's surprising how he engage them. And so last week, we started out by looking at a really somewhat controversial passage of Scripture in John chapter 8, verse 2 through 11, where Jesus is there teaching in the temple courts, and all of a sudden, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, bring him a woman caught in the very act of adultery, caught in the very act of sin. And they're kind of putting Jesus to the test. It's like, what's he going to do here? Is he going to uphold the law? What's he going to do? They were trying to actually catch him. And what we said last week to the religious people who brought this woman to Jesus, they didn't ultimately care about this person. To them, their engagement was, was this person was a pawn in a greater ideology that they were trying, an argument that they were trying to win. There was no care for the woman. And so Jesus shocked them because he just got on the ground and he began to write, and slowly every single person left. He said, who's without sin cast the first stone? And what we said was that people are not a project to God, to Jesus. They're his passion. And that Jesus led with mercy. This shocked everyone. Here is this person that, that, that Jesus, that everybody thought he was going to come down on, that he was going to judge and condemn and punish, and yet Jesus showed mercy and led with mercy. What he was trying to show the Pharisees at that time is, hey, you're in the same boat. You need mercy too. Because the Pharisees were coming with a self-righteous attitude that somehow they were better 
than everyone. And Jesus was saying, no, you need mercy too. And so today we're going to look at another conversation that Jesus had in Luke 19. And it's going to be another one that kind of catches us by surprise. But there's some things that we can learn, again, about God's heart for people and about how Jesus engaged people that can help us. So uh, on the screen, you can follow it. Uh, I'll start in verse 1, and it says this. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, to see Jesus. For he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus responded. He, he came down out of the tree. When they saw it, they, and the commentators will tell you, they is everyone. The religious people, the non-religious people, everybody who had gathered here as Jesus was coming into Jericho, as Jesus was this huge crowd, watch the response of everyone. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. We'll come back to that in a minute. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he, too, meaning Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So there's several things that I want to pull out of this for us this morning. The first thing that I want us to notice in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus was willing to take the first step to engage people, and he was willing to eat with sinners. Jesus took the first step. When you look at the passage of Scripture, Jesus was walking through. There's lots and lots of people there. Zacchaeus is the most despised person in all of Jericho. Come on, this isn't lost on the people that are all there. So Jesus is coming through. Here's Zacchaeus. He's the most despised person. Listen, the equivalent today, think of the, po the person that you are most offended by. Is it a corrupt politician? Is it 
a corrupt business person? Who, who is it that you're most, because this is who Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the entire region, and he was working in cahoots with the Roman government who were oppressors, and they, he was making a profit off of his own people. He was living out man-eat-man capitalism. That's what he was doing. So when Jesus is walking through the crowd and all the people that are there that day, Jesus chooses to engage with Zacchaeus. Come on. Not the most likely person that you would think that you would engage. But Jesus took the first step. Here's the thing that you have to understand in this passage of Scripture, is that Zacchaeus knew that he was despised. He would have never taken the first step to invite a rabbi of Jesus' stature to his house because no other rabbis would have ever gone and associated with somebody who was as despised as Zacchaeus. The principle for us is we, as Christ's followers, are called to be the first to engage. Come on, do you have a neighbor that you just don't like? A neighbor that gets on your nerves? A neighbor that posts on next door? Things that you don't like? Jesus would be the one that would take the first step to go engage that person. That's the principle that we see here. Listen, here's the thing we have to understand. Religion shouldn't inoculate us from people. It should send us to people, even those that we think are the least deserving. Because you have to understand that when you get into the mindset of what the Pharisees were thinking at that time, for, for Jesus to go and associate with Zacchaeus, Jesus was crossing social customs, moral customs, and religious customs. See, the Pharisees had built, they had taken all the laws in an effort to want to have devotion to God. So what they did is they said, hey, we want to have pure devotion to God. We want to eliminate ourselves from anything that would contaminate us. So they started building fences, and what it did is it actually kept them from going to people. Come on, does that sound somewhat like maybe church? Our pastor in Indianapolis used to say, listen, most churches want the church to be like an egg carton. They want everybody to look alike and be nice and in order. And he goes, it's not. The church is more called to be a mixed salad with lots of nuts and all kinds of stuff sprinkled in there and moved around. We want everything we, like, no, the church is supposed to be for the good people, for the righteous people, for the people who look a certain way. No! That's what the Pharisees were doing. So listen, 
Religion shouldn't inoculate us from people. Oh, I don't want to be around those people. Listen, in the book that Tammy referenced that we're reading, Evangelism Like Jesus, the author, Jaron Bars, he, he mentions a story. He says that he was talking to a pastor of another church, and they were going to do a pool party at this church, and they were inviting uh, different people from the community and middle schoolers and all this stuff. And the pastor's wife was like, hey, everybody needs to wear long pants and long sleeve shirts if they're going to come to this party. And the daughter said, hey, if I invite my friends to this pool party, then they're not going to come if it's kind of this. This is weird to them. And the pastor's wife said in the book, well, your daughter shouldn't have friends like that then. Come on. This is, this is, though, I know there's a balance. I know that, like, you can, it's not like, you know, one of those, you know, parties that you see on, you know, YouTube in California where, you know, cars are going into the, you know, pool and a thousand people there. And not, they're probably not talking about that, but it's the hard attitude of, like, your daughter should not have friends like that that want to wear a normal bathing suit. Come on. Religion should not inoculate us from people. It should send us to people, especially those that are least deserving. We have to understand who Zacchaeus was. He was despised and hated, not only by the religious community, but by the entire community. Even though he was an outsider, he was searching and open Look at what scripture says. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him. You have to understand what's going on here. Zacchaeus is not only despised, he's wealthy and he's powerful. Most of the time in this world, the wealthy and the powerful are not going to undignify themselves in the way that he did. He went and climbed up a tree because he was searching. He wanted to know who Jesus was. Listen, that's one of the biggest things that you see in the great state of Texas, in the wonderful city of Austin, in the wonderful country of the United States. People many times refuse to come to Jesus because of their pride. He was powerful. He was wealthy. He was influential. He was But he was open. He was open. Jesus takes the first step to initiate a relationship with him. Jesus ignores social customs and human religious laws to have authentic relationship with unchurched. Listen, don't miss what's happening here. When Jesus, out of all the people in the crowd that day, Jesus had never met Zacchaeus before. But he knew who he was because he's God. And of all the people there, he calls out his name, Zacchaeus. Today, I need to eat with you. Listen, it wasn't just that he was having a brief conversation. He was going into Zacchaeus' home 
which was showing that he was willing to have intimate fellowship and relationship with even the most despised people. Come on. Jesus would talk about this all the time. He says, hey, well, what good is it you for you if you just love those who love you? If you just hang out with those who think like you, that, 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 that make you feel good, right? Jesus was always going the opposite direction. So he was eating in his home. I'll come to your home. Listen, back when I was in Indianapolis, we partnered with a church in Las Vegas, Verve Church. And Vince Antonucci, we're going to show this video here in a second. Vince Antonucci uh, had a wonderful church in Virginia Beach, probably about 800 people. And God began to speak to him to go plant a church in Las Vegas. And he said, and God said to him, listen, I don't want to just do religious shuffling of the deck. I don't want you to just go start a church and, and get all the religious people from other churches to come to your church. I want you to reach truly lost people. The very first person they baptized in Verve Church was a fire-breathing clown atheist who came to the service, heard a new church was starting, came to disrupt the service and got compelled by the message in the story of Jesus. The second person that they reached was the female head of the skinheads who had been married 13 times, who was left Texas because they were, were, said they were going to burn her house down. She was hiding out in Las Vegas, got into a conversation with somebody on a chat room and said, you should visit our church. She said, it'll get struck by lightning if I go. No church would have me. She said, you should try our church. She took the effort. She came, and the love of God hit her, and, and God got a hold of her, and she was the second person of the first 275 people that they baptized at Verve. None of them were churched. Take a look at this video. So we had started this church in Virginia Beach and uh, loved it. It went great, lots of people, lots of life change. We love Virginia Beach. Our kids were born there, grew up there. We thought we were gonna stay there forever. And then um, I had this very weird uh, experience. I thought God told me to start a church in Las Vegas. If I knew it was God, I would have said yes, I think, I hope, but I wasn't sure it was God. Like, how do you know? And I had uh, strangers tell me that I was supposed to start a church in Las Vegas. I went to another country and had somebody in another country tell me I was supposed to start a church in Las Vegas, and it made sense. Uh, my father was a professional poker player and degenerate gambler and con man in Las Vegas. He ruined his life here. He ruined my parents' marriage here, ruined my childhood here. And so the idea of kind of letting that story have some redemption. My uh, passion and my gift has always been to reach people who are really far from God. And I, I started to realize, man, there's gonna be a lot more people like that in Las Vegas than there are in Virginia Beach. And so once we really felt sure he was, uh, we moved and, and we did it. It was definitely a challenge to start Verve. Also moving from the East Coast to the West Coast was a big 
change. And then once we were here, you know, getting the kids settled, um, getting myself settled and Vince and then starting the church, it's definitely challenging, but it's also really exciting. In a sense, I hope that we're not different from any other church, but maybe the thing that makes us a little bit different is we really focus on that mission of seeking and saving the lost. And not only just uh, people who don't go to church and don't believe, but what we feel like there's lots of good churches who are reaching maybe the, the non-Christians and the non-church goers who are a little bit easier to reach, who believe in God and have Jesus maybe in their frame of reference and ha have thought about going to church. And so we said, man, let's be the church that reaches the people other churches won't reach or can't reach. So let's reach the people who are the least open to church, uh, most antagonistic towards God and Jesus. The fact that we accept and love people for who they are and where they're at, I think is huge. We're definitely reaching people who have no connection or knowledge of God. And so it's really cool. It's exciting. It's also kind of messy here in Las Vegas. People kind of show their junk more than they did in Virginia but we all have the same junk. It just looks different here. So we talk about leading with love, that, that everyone needs to hear the truth, um, but what we need to do is we need to first lead with love and kind of earn the right to be heard. I waited and waited and waited for it. All right, I knew it was coming. All right, when they pass around the bucket or the pan and they shake it at you, and then when you put every last dollar in, they shake it at you a little bit more. And they said, you know, if this is your first time here, you know, please don't feel like you need to donate. This is a gift to you. I had never heard of a church say, please don't donate. I had time to spend with, with both okay. pastors off property, you know, personal time. And I had a lot of questions that they answered. Um, and, you know, September I was baptized. We see atheists coming to Christ. We see gang members, uh, pimps and prostitutes, and just really experience dramatic life change. But one, one of the things I've come to believe is if you want to have someone who's radical about following Jesus, the best place to start with is with somebody who's radically opposed to Jesus. Because when that person gets it, and they really get it, and it takes so much, it's such a sacrifice typically to, to say no to your past and say yes to Jesus, that they are not gonna do it unless they are really serious and really all in. And we just see that all the time here, and it's so much fun. And, and I think it brings such glory to God. The best part about it is my wife and I, our relationship, our marriage, has had the best year and a half that it's had in 12 years. Yeah, I got to go out and take two short-term teams to Vegas to serve with Verve. I uh, took my son Trey uh, the first time. Uh, it was amazing to see and hear these st stories of people um, legitimately the, the signs that they have in the Las Vegas community it literally says church for people who don't like church that's the billboards and uh, we got to go do a bunch of stuff and we were handing out donuts to all the businesses around that community and we'd hand them the thing church for people that don't like church and they, the head tilt <laughs> what kind of church is this <laughs> Guys, in this story of Zacchaeus, I mean, Jesus does something controversial. He honors and dignifies those the religious community saw as despicable, defiling, and unclean. 
Jesus takes the first step. He ignores the social customs. He wasn't standoffish or dismissive of the unchurched. He joyfully engaged them and had relationship with sinners. Look at what it says in Matthew 9, 10 through 13, because this is a repetitive theme for Jesus. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with despicable people? (laughs) Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Look at Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around. These are three separate occasions to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, muttered, (laughs) hard attitude, under the breath. (sighs) This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? So this is, we're seeing God's heart for people. The most, many times we think unworthy, undeserving, least likely to want to to follow Jesus. But here's the thing about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was so moved when he encountered Jesus. He encountered Jesus' love. He encountered Jesus' grace. He encountered Jesus' presence. He encountered forgiveness. His heart changed. And the things that he was finding his identity from, the things that he was holding on to, the things that had become most important to him, his position, his money, all those things began to diminish in light of his encounter with Jesus. That's why he says, hey, Jesus, if, if I've defrauded anyone, I'll pay back even up to four times. Because here's the thing that we have to realize is that many times for people, it's usually one thing that'll keep them from fully receiving Jesus. It's usually one thing that they're unwilling to give up. One thing, it's usually their pride, their ego, their position, their money, There's usually just one thing that when that domino falls, they're in. This is what happens with Zacchaeus. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. You're a a son of Abraham. 
Something ha- See, Jesus didn't have a formula of evangelism. He didn't have a formula of salvation. He understood what it was. It's where in our hearts we turn away from everything else that we are trusting in and we put our trust in God. That's, that's what happens here. That was his thing. His money, his power, his prestige. And he said, okay, I'm willing to let go of it. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to your house. Watch this story. We're going to end with this of a friend of mine who had no religious background, went to play professional football for the Jacksonville Jaguars, walked into a meeting and encountered Jesus and was willing to let go. Pastor Dave and April, man, I also saw that you've got like the best people on the planet that are on this journey with you guys. You've got the Hendrixes, you've got the Boyds, you've got the Overhausers, you've got the Mabes, you've got the Barnwells. I know I'm missing others, but it seems like you've got everybody. Church, you have the most amazing people. I think it's Renovate Church, right? I hope I got that right. You have some of the finest people on the planet that are going on this journey with you, trying to help you grow and develop and become more like Jesus, which is part of our inheritance. You know, that's the good news of Romans chapter 8, right? That we are being conformed to Jesus' image every single day as we put ourselves in a place of walking with the Holy Spirit, letting him do a work that we can't do ourselves. And, And Pastor Dave had asked me if I'd be willing to share about just the love of God, just the, the grace of God. And, and as I was, uh, as I got that text, I was like, absolutely count me in. And, and he wanted me to share a little bit of my testimony. And, and I'll just say this about my testimony to try to keep things brief. I was not brought up in church. I thought God was a joke. I didn't believe in the Bible. I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe in people that said they believed in Jesus. Uh, I was a mess. I had a really tough upbringing. Sports was my escape. I had tons of anger, which became an incredible asset as a middle linebacker, which helped me get a college scholarship. And then from there, I went to a little D2 school, grew up in South Dakota. I get drafted in 1995 by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I had married my college sweetheart, Diane. And of course, she fell madly in love with me uh, right away. Uh, and, And of course, she probably has a little different testimony and take on all that. But we're now in Jacksonville, Florida. We're on a brand new team. It was the expansion team. Uh, 1996 comes around. Uh, I had played my rookie season. I just finished it. Man, we were pregnant with our first baby. I had success on the field. I had a hot wife. I had a baby on the way. I had money in my bank account. I had absolutely everything. One problem. I'm fundamentally, absolutely, horribly miserable depressed, feeling anxiety, partying all the time, terrified about being a dad, messing up my marriage regularly and often. Fast forward to May. And part of God's love for me is in the form of my wife, Diane. I've learned how to love from her. I've learned how to receive love from her. And I've learned how to receive forgiveness from the Lord through her. She tolerated all kinds of stuff through college in that first year Well, we're out on the golf course, May 13th, 1996. 
I melt down on hole seven, literally manifesting anger, frustration, breaking clubs, throwing clubs, just being a complete idiot. It's horrifying to think back how embarrassing that was. Diane leaves me on the golf course. She goes home, almost runs over me on the way off the course, goes home, locks herself in the bathroom, and I'm pounding on the door when I get home. I am so angry she left me there as I deserve to be left there. And she's weeping and crying, pregnant due with, at any moment with our first baby. And I had no comprehension of that. And so I'm pounding on the door, cursing at her. She's telling me certain things. And finally she goes, the only way I'm coming out is if you go, agree to go to Bible study with me tonight. I was like, what the? And I'm cursing. We've never been to a stupid Bible study. Da, 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 da. I start going off on her. She says, is that Mark Burnell's house? I will not come out unless you go. And because I knew Mark Burnell, he wasn't perfect, but man, there was something different about that cat. Another picture of God's love working in my life was who he worked through in my life. And I tell you what, Mark lived something that I'd never seen anybody else in my current condition live. He was set apart. He was just different, not in a weird way. Now, I thought Christians had really horrible taste in music. I'm not going to lie. But Mark was a genuine dude who didn't preach at me, just lived something. Because it was him and because it was at his house, I agreed to get out of the doghouse, go over to this Bible study. Driving over there, I'm sweating. I'm this 260-pound linebacker who's not afraid of anything. And I'm horrified about going to this Bible study. In my mind, I'm thinking if there's one guy God hates, it's me. I'd done so many things, so many horrible things to people. Had so many bad things done to me. I was angry and bitter and hurt and wounded, depressed, anxious. And I was like, I'm just like, no, I don't fit. Bible study is not my fit. Well, we show up to the house. All my teammates, their wives, their girlfriends, we all show up the same night. The guys I partied with, they are they were my family. Man, we were one big, happy, dysfunctional family. We ran together, partied together. We all show up to the same Bible study. We end up in this living room with a few chairs set up in Mark Burnell's living room. There's this guy there named Greg Ball. He comes in and he's preaching from the Bible. I did not understand the Bible. I did not believe in the Bible. I did not believe in church, any of that. And so he's preaching out of Revelation 3.16. He's bringing this, this word, because you're neither hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. That was my gospel message. But it wasn't just that. When he was saying these words, now I know it was the Holy Spirit. I was being so convicted of my wrong and my anger and my hurt, but I was also simultaneously being convicted even more so by his love, the way he talked about Jesus, the way he talked about how the Father sent him, the way he talked about how God so loved the world that he gave his only son. When he spoke it, it was something hit me. I was like, this dude knows this Jesus he's talking about. And so something happened in my heart. I felt love. My whole world was perform, 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 then you'll get love. I was confronted that my, my worst performance, he loved me. It messed me up. It made me weep. It made me cry. And I think he led us through a sinner's prayer. All of us surrendered our hearts to Jesus that night. I felt the peace of God at some level, but it still was some unfinished business. We leave that moment. I bump into Greg. I think we're, we're eating or, or having uh, some lemonade. I don't know. I bump into Greg and I, was, I pulled him aside. I'm crying. He's like, what's going on? I said, I don't know about anything else you said, but I need this Jesus you talked about. I need him really, really bad. What do I need to do? He said, pray. I looked at him. I was like, man, you're the professional here. You pray. He said, what's going, what's in your heart? And what leapt out of me was this prayer. Lord, this better be real. 
Lord, this better be real that I don't go back to how I was. And at that moment, the peace with God, not just peace of God, peace with God hit me. And that's what Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, that we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we've obtained access into the grace in which we now stand. That very moment, that night, that simple prayer, it wasn't a traditional prayer. It was just a heart that needed a dad. I met my dad that night. I met the father that night. It came through Jesus and the working of the Holy Spirit. He does not need good works from you. They're not impressive to him. Your works can't save you. Your works can't keep you. His power is what transforms us. His grace is that unmerited favor. But to know you're loved in spite of everything you've done, that is the game changer. That was what made me go all in. And this whole all-in thing is, is driven by his love, not our effort. And so I just want to encourage you guys, you unpack the love and the grace of God. Understand he is so caring. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. A little bit later, it says we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So I just would encourage you guys, live from acceptance, not for it. Live from forgiveness, not trying to get it. Live from reconciliation, knowing you've been reconciled through Christ. Pastor Dave, team, everyone, thank you for letting me share. Sorry I went a little bit longer than I anticipated. Love you all. Hopefully I can see you soon. Shalom. Crucial conversations. Man, we look at Scripture, we see how Jesus interacted with people. Here in Luke 19, we see Jesus engaging with the most unlikely, the most despised person that he could have picked out. The love that Zacchaeus experienced changed him, just like it changed Brian, just like it changed me, just like it changed Chad, changed Tammy. Guys, this is what it is that it's the heartbeat of God. How will we, how will you model it as we go out? See, maybe for somebody here today, maybe you've never responded. We're going to worship here in a minute. And maybe today's, like Brian, today's the day that you just surrender and you receive Jesus as the Lord of your life like Zacchaeus did. For others of us, man, it's walking out of here, carrying this same heartbeat and passion for people. This is what, like, I'm telling you, man, like Verve Church, you hear Vince say, like, man, my heart is to lead with love, to reach people that, I mean, that nobody else was reaching. That's, that's our heartbeat here at Renovate is to, is to, to the, the love of God would engage and reach people. Many times those who seem the furthest away that seem the least likely to respond. But Jesus took the first step. Jesus was willing to have intimate relationship and fellowship with those type of people. He didn't diminish them, discard them, 
No, he, he, he went to them. They're going to lead us in this last song. If you need to respond to the grace of God, we'll have our prayer team down here. If not, just allow this song and this ending time to really just minister to you. Amen. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.